Hello everyone and welcome to episode 454 of So You Want to Be a Writer. My name's Valerie Koo and I'm your co-host and CEO of the Australian Writers' Centre where you'll find writing courses and a wonderfully supportive writing community. I'm here with Alison Tate, also known as A.L. Tate, author of many, many books, but her latest one is The Wolf's Howl, a Maven and Reeve mystery. How are you, Al? I'm okay, thanks Valerie. How are you? I'm good. I'm good. What's happening in our world? Well, the repercussions of the computer upgrade continue. (laughs) Would you believe? This business of, you know, it's all supposed to be seamless and you just drop things across and you do blah, blah, blah. Yeah, no, no, no. That's not true. It's so not true. And it comes up in unexpected ways because I had to upgrade the phone at the same, like, this is the other issue, of course. You cannot be me and just hold on to things for a hundred years because they just work because one day they just don't. They don't. Anyway, so I upgraded the phone at the same time because my dear friend, Valerie, you might've met her, (laughs) told me that my camera was, and I won't you know, use the word that my dear friend <laughs> Valerie actually used, but she was not happy with the quality of my cameras and was telling me that I looked like I was being filmed bon- by Monet on both my computer <laughs> and also on my phone. So I upgraded my phone because, all right, let's do that. And um, and my, my older phone was a significant step up for one of my children. So mm. they've taken over my old phone. I've got my new phone. If you've been watching my new exciting series on Instagram, <laughs> which is all about <laughs> the books that made me, you will know that my camera is sharp, very, very yes, sharp. It's a very, first of all, it's a very good series, but second, Al looks fantastic in it. Because you know her camera. Well, she looks fantastic anyway. But the camera in <laughs> I was particular. Say, <laughs> anyway, I've got this fabulous new camera. Anyway, but what happened was um, I haven't done an Instagram live in a very long time, and so I did my live um, yesterday, and I popped it up, and then the next thing, Instagram bounced me out what? of the app. They logged me out for unusual activity. <laughs> so what? there you go. If you're going to do this stuff, you need to do it regularly as well. What so, did they think you were uploading naughty things? I don't know. I don't know what they thought I was doing. It just wasn't. <laughs> it wasn't what I normally did, and so therefore they wanted me to log out and log back in, which would have been fine, except that I've got two-step authentication on my account, and if you don't, you need to get it. So just there's a tip uh, for you. Yeah. However, what I discovered, friends, is that when you just sort of do the whole, you know drop over of your old stuff onto your new phone. If you have an authentication app, that doesn't automatically, the information in that does not automatically go with it. So I still had the app, but it wasn't connected to my accounts anymore. And so when I was attempting to authenticate my account, I couldn't do it because I couldn't get it through the app. There was no information there. And I didn't have my phone number set up as an authentication tool because I didn't use it. What a mess is all I have what to say. A mess. What a mess. And wow. I, okay. I know. And and all because I randomly did a live when I haven't done one, you know, for a long time. So anyway, it's all sorted now. Thanks to <laughs> your good friend and mine, Ra, 
Thank God Hello, for Ra. Ra. Hello, Ra. Thank God for Ra, who, yes. you know, whilst I was walking the block in an attempt to walk off my stress, talked mm-hmm. me through the process. Oh, she's great like How that. How good is she? Mm-hmm. Uh, we all need a friend. Okay, here's another tip. Get yourself a friend like that. Yes, absolutely. <laughs> who, who knows what to do when you are in a technological yeah, crisis. for sure. Anyway, so, yeah. Anyway, look, surely, surely that's the last thing, right? Touch wood. Oh, that's the oh. last thing. It's got to be it. I'm surely I'm all on board and ready to go now, right? Well, I let's hope so. <laughs> oh, seriously, it's been months. The saga of our upgrade has been going on for months. Well, um, anyway, speaking of iPhones, though, there's been quite mm. a discussion going on on Facebook. I in. Um, the creative writing uh, Facebook group because I think something we mentioned about talking into your iPhone um, uh, is that a lot of people didn't realise that you can dictate into your iPhone very, very easily. And I'm not talking about talking to Siri. I don't want to say her name very loud in case she she wakes up. Don't say anything. (laughs) I'm talking about using the little microphone function, which is at the bottom of your screen. And you can send emails by dictating them. You can write texts by dictating them. You can write in your notes. And it's very accurate, actually. What? Um, I didn't know that. Didn't you? Oh my god! Are you kidding me? Have you just listened to months and months of me trying to work out how to upgrade a computer? You thought I would have like been onto that? I had oh to get. I had to get my youngest son because I've gone to a phone that doesn't have the home button anymore. So I had to get him to show me how to like shut my apps down and stuff. Like honestly, I okay. have be all, overnight <laughs> I have become inept. I will post a video in the Facebook group for listeners of So You Want to Be a Writer. And if you're not already in that Facebook group, uh, please do join. It's free to join. Uh, Just search for So You Want to Be a Writer podcast community on Facebook. And we'd love to have you in there. Anyway, I'll post a video on how to do it. But basically, you can just use almost any app, certainly every app that I use on the iPhone. But, you know, like I said, I use it with Instagram, with email, with notes. Notes is fantastic because basically instead of typing with your thumbs or your fingers or whatever while you're going on your walk, you can use this dictation function and in the notes and you can be essentially dictating, well, your shopping list if you want to, but you, you can be dictating the next paragraph in your story or, you know, um, actually draft if, you, if you're on a roll and you really know where your story and your characters are going, you can be dictating it and it Gosh. is pretty accurate. So um, I highly recommend that as, as, you know, like three years ago it wasn't so accurate, it was a little bit clunky. Um, if you were, say, walking right next to a highway with high traffic, it's probably not going to be so accurate. But if you're walking on a normal suburban street that's not too noisy, it's going to be fine. Um, yeah, it's it's a really good function. So I encourage all writers who want to make the most, make the most of their time to use it. Mm. Hashtag the, Val's tip of the day. Yeah, Val's tip of the of the day. The other thing I wanted to mention actually because mm. I was recently watching I think it's Netflix uh the movie called Official Secrets. Have you mm. no. seen it? No. Okay. So it's it was only a couple of years old and it's a movie starring Kira Knightley um oh who else? Um you know Matt Smith from The Crown. Mm-hmm. Um, <clears throat> Ray Fines, and basically it's a true story about 
uh, whistleblower, Catherine Gunn, who used to work for, you know, intelligence in the UK. And Mm. uh, the movie is about, I'll just read from Wikipedia so that I get it right. Mm. So um, based on the case of Catherine Gunn, who leaked a memo exposing an illegal spying operation by American and British intelligence services to gauge sentiment of and potentially blackmail United Nations diplomats tasked to vote on a resolution regarding the 2003 invasion of Iraq. Now, the reason Mm. I'm mentioning this is, uh, and obviously this all really happened because I then subsequently, um, you know, fact-checked it. But, Mm. uh, and many people will already know the story, but if you don't, Basically, a really interesting um, scene in it is when so she leaks she she basically leaks it to an anti-war activist who passes it on to um, a journalist called Martin Bright at the Observer. He and his colleagues do this all this research into it to make sure that it is legit, right? Before yeah. they publish, because they yeah. have to. It's their reputations on the line. It's the newspaper's reputation on the line. And um, they do all, they, they're rigorous in their research. They break the story, at which point the world goes, oh, my goodness. And also everywhere in the US they w- have asked them to go on there. To, they they want to interview the journalists about mm. it, right? Mm. So CNN want to interview them. Um, NBC, want to, everyone wants to interview them. And then they start, there's this scene where they, they start getting these phone calls because everyone starts cancelling and they're wondering why is everyone starting to cancel now? And basically they've been discredited because um, uh, the Drudge Report pointed out, correctly pointed out, that because um, they that in the um, uh, article that was published in The Observer, they reproduced, whether in whole or in part, um, bits of the memo that basically said that all these bad things were going to happen. Mm. And the memo was supposed to come from American intelligence, but it was all used British it, British spelling was used throughout. Ooh, and S's, so the, not Z's. Yes. And, you know, the Drudge Report said as if this is real because as if an American intelligence organisation is going to spell things like this and this and this. Oh. This, you know, they're mortified. They don't know what's going on. They just go, oh, my God, what – but they dig up the original memo and it is spelt the American way and they're wondering how this happened and basically <gasps> this, <laughs> yeah, this young, you know, person <laughs> at the Observer, um, she has a name actually, I think it's Nicole, she's, she's uh, written about the experience since, uh, uh, Nicole Mowbray accidentally changed the text from American to British English before she published it. So. <laughs> oh. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> wow. So always think about this <laughs> in uh, before you publish. Think about your audience. Think about what you're actually publishing. Think about the whole American-British thing um, as to when it matters and when it doesn't because sometimes it just does not matter at all, right? Mm. But when you are accusing the American and UK intelligence organisations of blackmail, you should get it right. You need to get it right. Yes. That's a good moment to get it right. 
Yeah, absolutely. So I just thought I'd mention that because I thought it was interesting. Anyway. It's quite a story. <laughs> it is quite a story. I think, you know, for one moment there, I forgot that we're actually recording a podcast and we're supposed to be talking about writing, Valerie. Remember? Well, that I guess is we writing. Were, we got there in the end. That I was wondering. I was wondering where we were going, but anyway, here we are. So, yes. what else have you got for us? Well, speaking of newsrooms, someone who works in a newsroom is uh, our writer in residence who was on our podcast in episode, I think, 426, Tim Eilif. Um, he wrote the book, uh, The Enemy Within, and it's part of the John Bailey series. And now his series has been optioned for screen. So congratulations Ooh, to Tim Eilif. I really exciting. enjoyed his interview. Mm, very, very exciting. Congratulations. Tim is also the head of news at uh, ABC TV. Hmm. Now, the other thing I wanted to mention, Al, is... Anyone yeah. who is buying our book this Christmas for an aspiring writer. Or for themselves. Or for themselves. <laughs> if you want it under the Christmas tree, make sure you send it by the Australia Post Christmas sending deadlines, right? Mm. Yes, and they are. And what, have, have you put them in, <laughs> have you got a link in the show notes? Are you going to expand on this point? I am. For um, anywhere in Australia except for WA and Northern Territory, it is the 13th of December. If it's WA and Northern Territory, it's the 8th of December. Mm. So, And, in fact, I would recommend getting in earlier because, the, in, like, all I've been seeing all week is the supply chain disruptions and the postal backup and the all of that sort of stuff. And I, I feel as though it's something that, you know, if you want it, you know, specifically for a deadline, get in early. And I, that's the – and, you know, if, if you are looking at buying specific books for Christmas, if you've got ideas in your head about the perfect book for the perfect person, I, I reckon go to your local bookshop in the next couple of days and secure it now because um, yes. there was a story in the ABC – this on the ABC um, website this week and, I will, and, in fact, across all the news sites. I will put a link in the show notes. I can't remember where it is, but I'll find it. Um, just about the fact that, you know, the book publishers are, are struggling because uh, they basically all use one uh, distribution. Um, when I say distribution, I don't mean distribution um, network, but I mean, you know, like actual courier company, so to speak, and um, they are backed up. Like they, they've closed mm. orders for the next four days yep. in an attempt to get on top of it. Um, and, you know, they're, they're crying out for stock. They're struggling to get stock from overseas. So there's, you know, there's that. But if there are particular books that you want, go get them. Yeah. Sooner rather than later. Sooner I've just had an later. email notification from my local bookshop you know that the supply chain is is an issue, so get them sooner rather than later. Don't be trying to pop in there on Christmas Eve and thinking no, you're going to get the not, book you want. Not going to work this time, or, or just you know get what's on the shelves. Like you know, it's it's going to be that situation. Have a few options, mm. is, I guess, is my is my thinking. And speaking of options, I've got one more week left on my special offer where you can order yes. signed copies of all AL Tate novels direct from me I will send them out to you ASAP um, and they will be signed they will have a um, also a bonus signed postcard with them as well so if you're looking for a gift 
for you know middle grade readers or you just want to buy yourself a little something something uh have a look at the link in the show notes uh you'll find it on my website as well alisontate.com um and in fact i've got a link up a post up there at the moment where i've got a little roundup of nine australian children's authors who are offering signed copies for christmas Um, oh what a great uh, that's fantastic what a great post i know i'm 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 incredibly clever i do have these moments um so there's a little roundup there i'll put the link in the show notes to that as well you will also find that on my website at alisontate.com um but you know a a personalized signed copy from an author is a really special special gift so get in now and get them sorted and of course that's for the wolf's howl right that's for the that's for all of my novels. It's oh, for all, all of ALK. Them. Okay, the Mapmaker Chronicles, the Adaban Cipher novels, oh, the brilliant. Maven and Reef mystery series. I've got um, limited copies of all of them on hand at the moment. I have ordered more, um, but you know who knows what's going to happen there. But I do have them, so I've got them at the moment. So order them from me today. How about that? There's a, there was a call to action and everything. Yeah, love order it. Love them it today. All right, let's move on to our competition this week. We have a book pack of five crime and thriller fiction releases from 2021. How exciting. Yes, yes, that will keep you going over Christmas and the summer. How Yeah, these are your beach reads right here. Mm, Love it. And they're really good too. This pack will make a fantastic gift for a lover of suspense novels or keep them all for yourself. So they contain uh, The Shadow House by Anna Downs, Crackenback by Lee Christine, The Night She Disappeared by Lisa Jewell, The Heights by Louise Candlish and Cutter's End by Margaret Hickey. So all you need to do is go to writercentre.com.au slash win. Entries close on the 29th of November. That's writercentre.com.au slash win win. If you're enjoying this podcast, you may also like the book that we've written together called So You Want to Be a Writer, How to Get Started While You Still Have a Day Job. Full of practical tips, motivation and inspiration, it's ideal for anyone who's thinking of dipping their toes into the wonderful world of writing. We've created a blueprint for aspiring writers to follow and it's suitable regardless of whether you want to plunge straight into this new career or if you need to explore it while you're still busy in your day job. Let us hold your hand as you turn your dream into a reality. Buy your copy today at soyouwanttobeariter.com.au forward slash book. Al, are you ready for the word of the week? I am as ready as I will ever be, Valerie. (laughs) Okay. That that might be my new response from now on, I think. Okay. Yes. Well, it's petitos. Petitos. P-E-T-T-I-T-O-E-S. Petitos. Do you know what they are? Sounds like little potatoes to me. I'm thinking that I'm going to market them. It's a new new word for cocktail potatoes. What do you think? That's actually pretty good. You could trademark that. Okay. I think so. Oh, my God. So they, potatoes are the feet of a pig, especially as food, or the human feet, especially those of a child. Now, it does sound like petite toes, but it actually isn't doesn't come from petite toes it comes from petite from the french petite and look my year seven french is not going to do me serve me very well i don't remember how to pronounce o i e s 
maybe oa or something, O-I-E-S. So petite O-I-E-S, meaning goose offal. Goose offal? <laughs> I know, I don't know. Feet of pigs. <laughs> Like the fact that you put the feet of a pig, especially as food, with with children's feet just automatically made me go, oh, this is not right. And now we've got goose offal in there as well. Well, English is a funny thing. I like my small potatoes better. Okay. (laughs) Let's move on to our writer in residence this week. We have Nicola Marsh and this was a cracker of an interview. This woman is so prolific, it is insane. In 2021 alone, she released six books. Six. What? I know, six. All up, I think she's been going for, I don't know, 15, 16 years or, or, or so, and she's published like 77 or 78 novels. Not written, published. So there wow. aren't just ones in the drawer. These are the ones wow. that are out on bookshelves. It's That's astounding. Amazing. She's a machine. Yeah. Machine. Re- crazy, crazy. So we, you know, have a big discussion on um, how she does it, but also mm. on her writing process. So here is Nicola Marsh. Thank you so much for joining us today, Nicola. Hi, thanks for having me. Now, you've got actually more than one book out at the moment, but let's just start with Summer of Serenity. For those who haven't got a copy for themselves yet, tell us what the book is about. Sure. It's an opposites attract enemies to lovers, fish out of water story. Uh, It's actually told from three points of view. So we've got the two main characters. We've got Jai, who's a principal of an elite uh, private school in Melbourne, who's banished to Acacia Haven to actually close down their small school. Then we've got Summer O'Reilly, who he butts heads with, who's a teacher at that small town, uh, who also turns out to be his love interest. And then we've got a third point of view, Rain, who's Summer's mother, who's been hiding a very dark secret from the town and her daughter for the last 16 years. Wow, cool. Okay, so there's a bit that I want to explore there. there. But first, how did the idea for this book form? Well, it's actually quite a funny story in that um, I was waiting at one of my child's parent-teacher interviews and I was having a chat to his principal and he was talking about all the amazing schools that he'd worked in around the world And from there, I had a little smidgen of an idea and the whole story grew from that. Oh, my God. Okay, so this idea, the seed was planted then, but obviously it was only a seed, right? How long did it take for the whole story to form in your brain? And did the whole story form in your brain first before you started writing or did you just start writing and then the story came out? Right. Uh, I actually started writing. I mean, I tend to do that for all my books. So I knew, I always know who the main characters are. But I find as I start writing is when it really opens up and expands from there. Wow. Okay, so when you we first started talking, you said that the book was Opposites Attract and two other things. What were they again? The Enemies to Lovers. Enemies to Lovers. 
Fish out of water. Fish out of water. Okay. So there's some tropes that um, uh, people with who read romance regularly may be familiar with or maybe subconsciously familiar with, but they may not actually know the terms. How important is it for you to understand what those tropes are before you start writing? And, or, or again, do you write and then discover that these are the tropes that have occurred? Well, actually... For me, and it's for all my books, uh, I just tend to start writing. And then at the end, I find, oh, wow, I've actually included that trope and that trope. Yes. <laughs> it's actually sort of quite odd um, as compared to, I mean, like I do know other writers who always have a clear picture in their mind first of what actual trope they'll be targeting. Now, you have published an endless array of novels. What's the final count? At the at this point, um, I think I've written seventy eight, but I sort wow. of yeah haven't actually been counting for the last year or so. But I've, <laughs> I've absolutely had seventy seven published, yes, um, and I've handed in my next book, which is actually the sequel to Summer of Serenity. Okay, fantastic. So. 77 or 78 novels published, sold over 8 million copies. And just to give listeners a bit of perspective or a bit of an understanding in what, you write rural romance for HarperCollins Australia, domestic suspense for Hachette UK's Bookature and also for Grand Central Publishing USA, and contemporary romance for Penguin Random House's Berkeley imprint in the US. And you've got a whole lot of other different series and stuff which I'd like to explore. But before we get into that, just take us back. You started off as a physiotherapist. Now, when and how did the transition to novelist occur? I'm actually asked this all the time. Um, And it actually harks back, I think, uh, to my English days at high school. Um, I absolutely loved English. I loved to write. Um, I actually kept a diary, which I wrote in every single night. And I mean every single night. Now, it was it was actually filled with garbage. Um, <laughs> it would normally be you know, who, who I had a crush on at the time, which was quite sad. Uh, but, <laughs> but I actually think it honed my my actual writing skills because I make it a habit to write every day. Um, I was wanting to be a journalist, but then I did the work experience as a physio in year 10. So I thought, oh, this is a really cool job. I think I'll be that. Um, so I did. I <laughs> uh, worked as a physio for 13 years. But in all that time, I sort of had this idea in my head that, you know what, one day I'd really like to write a book. So I think after all that time, I thought I'm sick and tired of thinking about it. I'm just going to do it. Uh, So I actually, um, I was at work at lunch uh, in between patients and I actually looked up um, to have a look if there were any other people who liked to write in Melbourne. And I found a writers group. And from there, I learned that uh, Harlequin Mills and Boone in London were were always um, after new authors. So I thought, you know what? I'll just have a try of that. And I was very lucky. Um, I was bought quite early on. Yeah. And as far as timing went, I sold my first book when I was expecting my first child. So I had a whole year off to actually work out if, if I'd earn enough cash from 
writing as I was working full time. And I did. And I never went back. Wow. Okay. So you straight out of the gate, you started writing romance because it was Milton Byrne, right? And so had at that point, were you a reader of romance? Um, I was, but I actually hadn't read a Milton Byrne for years and years and years. Um, I mean, like I'm a huge reader and I still am. Um, I always tend to read uh, women's fiction, romance and thrillers because that's just a thing I've always read. Yes. And so you had that year where you could figure out, okay, can I actually earn enough of an income as a novelist? And you worked out that you did. So I assume then you didn't go back to being a physio and just plunge straight into the writer's life. That's right, yes. Um, Okay. Yeah, because after after that I was writing full-time and I was writing uh, three to four books a year for Harlequin, so... Okay, so you were writing three or four books a year. And then I just want to <laughs> tell people in 2021 alone, you're released, you have already released or are going to release Her Playboy Crush with Harlequin Dare, The Man Van with Penguin Random House, The Liar Next Door with a shit, Second Chance Lane with HarperCollins, The Scandal, which is also out now with uh, Grand Central Publishing around the same time as Summer of Serenity and, of course, Summer of Serenity. That's six <laughs> books. How is it possible to write so many books in the year? This is not normal, even writing three or four. But, you know, th- these are uh, th- a couple of them are the thrillers. How is it possible? I'm actually a fairly fast writer. Um, but I actually don't advise writing at this crazy pace. Um, <laughs> I've been writing for these different publishers for the last three years and I'm very tired. I am mm. very, very tired and sort of at the point where I know I need to make some uh, choices, I suppose, to move forward, to work smarter, not harder, uh, because it is a really hard pace. Now, it's not the actual book writing because I'm lucky I'm fast but it's of course once it gets handed in to my editor at each house it gets handed back and it goes back and forth lots of times and you've got uh, structural edits you've got copy edits you've got line edits you've got final proof so I was finding over the last few years that I'm just at my computer working non-stop because once I hand in one book the other book will come back and it just kept on going for a long, long time. So yes, it's, it's a really hard pace to maintain. Crazy. So did you, did you work out some kind of um, structure where you said, I'm going to, hey, all you different publishers, I'm going to work on this book in these months, this book in these months, this book in these months. Did you work out effectively a, a, a schedule? No. <laughs> <laughs> Which is why it was so crazy. I should have okay. <laughs> All right. In that case, what would be your optimum number of books per year so you're not tired? Two. Two. Really? Okay. Right. So. Yeah. Have you ever only written two in a year? No. <laughs> <laughs> but okay. <laughs> All right. So let's just take this year as an example because 
you know, it's it's reality. Um, you say you write quite fast. So once you have the idea in your head, and let's take Summer of Serenity because that's the book that's out now. Um, once you had that idea and once you decide, okay, I'm going to start writing, can you give us just a brief idea of the timeline, like how long it would take to get the f- first draft out there? Okay. Um, I tend to write uh, five days a week, maybe three to four hours a day. Um, and I think that one took me about six weeks to write. Um, wow. So how many words a day would you be writing approximately? It varies, probably between two and 5,000 words. <gasps> yeah. Yeah. Is it, it sounds like you. it's like a tap, like you can turn it on and the words pour out. Uh, well... It is like that at times, but then at sort of like other times I have to force myself to actually go and sit and write because I'd rather be reading myself because <laughs> I just love to read or I'd rather just be lying on the couch watching something on Netflix, but it's, it's my full-time job. So I actually yes. have to make sure I write some words at least every single day. But how do you keep the ideas flowing of the story? Because you said you don't plan, you just start writing. So how do you actually, do you ever get stuck? Uh, Not really. And That's amazing. And if I do, I actually have a nap, which I know sounds crazy, but it has worked for me for years. And it's actually called uh, the hypnologic state, where if you're almost in a doze, you'll find your ideas flow. So I swear by this in that if I am a bit stuck, um, Mm. I'll actually have a sort of a nap. Um, And as I'm about to fall asleep, I'll get the actual idea of how to really solve that problem. And it works. It works for me every (laughs) single time. So I'm going to keep doing it. (laughs) Yeah, absolutely. Hooray for naps. All right. So as this is rural romance or you know it is set in the in the in a country sort of small town as you say um do you live in a rural area or you live in the inner city I live in Melbourne and I've lived here my whole life um but it's really interesting that uh ever since I was a child um I loved going to small towns um and I actually really really love Echuca which my parents took, took me to quite often and I love it so much that I take my kids there now um, and what actually happened was my first uh, rural romance with Arthur Collins, uh, Long Way Home and a sequel, Second Chance Lane, are both set in a Chuka. I mean, it's a fictional town, but it is a Chuka just because I love the warmth of small country towns. I love the warmth of the people and how there's a wide cast of characters Uh, it's just lovely yeah right so in your characters you've got um as you say Jai um uh and Summer and her her mother Rain is it and and what how do, do you form your characters you know at the start or do you also see how they develop as you start writing well, at the start, I mean, I do have an idea of which points of view I'll have to write from. Uh, so I do have a, 
quite a vague idea of uh, what, what their backgrounds are, but also more importantly is how they will uh, have a conflict with each other because, of course, that's the crux of the whole story. So I will do some sort of background work, uh, but like the plot unfolds as I start to write, uh, that also tends to happen with my characters. Mm. With the difference between your rural romance and the contemporary romance that you write um, for the Berkeley imprint, is the apart from the obvious main difference of being in a rural location, <laughs> um, are there any other key differences in in the way they are written or in the stories that you tell? Uh, yes and no. Uh, in in that with uh, the boy and the man band, I only tell it from two points of view. So the whole story is told from the hero and, and the heroine's point of view, um, and in each of those stories I've actually um, made them very multicultural uh, so uh, it's sort of um, there are there are snippets based on me um, they're actually both what's called own voices stories in the boy or the hero as a stutter like I have um, and in the man band uh, Harper has uh, the the autoimmunities for LIGO which is what I've got mm -hmm. as well so oh. Yes, I've actually drawn on personal experience. So I've actually put, I suppose, quite a bit of myself into those characters, which was a huge thing. Mm -mm -mm. You've also got a couple of Bollywood-themed books. Tell us a bit about that and how, why you wanted to write those books, that series. That was actually... Uh, quite a few years ago um, and my dad loves those movies he <laughs> like I think I think he'd watch probably one every day so yeah. at, so at, at that time like he was he was always harping on me and saying oh you know have a, have a look have a look so I actually watched some and just the color and the music and drama and the love and it was just huge I thought you know what I am gonna write one um, but of course it was quite um, quite a different story. Once again, it was quite sort of multicultural. So it's partly set in New York, partly set in uh, in India, but it's just crazy. Lots of outlandish things happen in that book. Uh, it's, yeah, it's called uh, Faking It, because I've actually changed that title. And it's just pure fun. And, <laughs> and it, was, it was actually pure fun to actually write as well. Yeah, right. Wow. That's, it's just, that's such an unexpected <laughs> series. But I want to move on to talk about your thrillers uh, because you've got the scandal um, out now. Um, actually, before we talk about that, tell us a little bit about what that book is about in case listeners haven't got a copy yet. Uh, it's actually set in the Hamptons and it's uh, three best friends but they're all hiding dark secrets from each other and then a young pregnant woman comes to town and blows up all their lives in quite unexpected ways uh, and there's an absolute twist in it as in you think you have it all worked out and on the last page you don't <laughs> 
<laughs> okay, intriguing. Okay, everyone, get yourself a copy. Now, obviously, you started writing romance first, and then you thought, okay, I'm going to write thrillers. <laughs> so many questions here. I guess the first one is, what did your publishers say when you said, oh, I want to write thrillers now? <laughs> well, actually, um, how it works is sort of up to, like up to that point, I actually hadn't had an, an agent for for that type of work. So I thought, I think I need to find an agent because I want to branch out into a new genre. Mm. Um, so I did. And it was interesting because um, with all of my uh, domestic thrillers I've written them like in a few weeks it's been that far as in it's in my head and it and it's it actually hasn't happened to me in the past but I can see like each scene as a film in my head so so you know what's going to happen the whole before you start yeah I do which is unlike the romance which is not that normal for me um, and I, yeah so I just found like I would just sit each day and I just write thousands of words like it would just pour out of me. Um, so where yeah, once I did, well, how it worked was I actually uh, wrote the scandal first, then the last wife, then my sister's husband, and then the one I just had published is the liar next door. Um, each of those were were written super fast. Um, but of course, that means lots of back and forth, doing lots of uh, edits on it (laughs) (laughs) so but what so so you get an agent and it's your agent who then scored you the deal the the, with the publisher yes that's right yeah okay and did that did the publishers ever think oh no but she's a romance author or was they really quite open to it no it it was fine yeah I mean Mm -hmm. actually it was it was actually quite nice to have sort of an extra string to to my yeah how do how does it feel like does it feel different writing a thriller than writing a romance it actually does and it's tell me it's a it's a really odd thing that I've found and it's it's actually picked up uh in each book I've written from my my editor as well in that in those books I find uh I don't like those characters as much as as my thoughts, which is it's a quite a weird thing in in that I I find them a bit more snarky, a bit more sarcastic, which just is not me. And yet it comes through in every time I write a thriller. So so that, so then afterwards I have to head back in, and each time I've handed in, it's been handed back to me. I've been told you need to make these characters more likable. Which is wow. Yeah, it's really, really odd. But it's it's actually like I've got like almost two parts of my brain. One that writes those nasty thrillers and one that's all warm and romance. <laughs> it's quite strange. It's like your outlet for the, you know, snarkiness to come out. Maybe it, is. <laughs> it could be. <laughs> Why do you think with the thrillers, the domestic thrillers, you have the whole plot, in the, your, the whole story already at the beginning, whereas with the romance you don't. I can't really answer that. I mean, it's it's a it's a thing where I mean, I know like obviously 
know, who has to die by the end or who is the bad guy at the end. Um, so, yes, I do sort of, you know, just invent lots of stuff on the way, but it's more clear in, in my head. And like I said, I can almost see it as scenes in a film, whereas that doesn't happen to me in my yeah. So, it's, yeah, it's quite odd. I know that a lot of people can't, will us even hearing this, they're not getting their heads around the fact that you can write 5,000 words in a day or you can, you know, write as much as you do. So can you give anyone any tips on how to keep up that level of output, apart from the whole taking naps thing when you're stuck? Um, do you just go for it and never look back and just let it all pour out? Pour out? Yes, I never, okay. ever look back. Um, I, I mean, I think I've always thought the most important thing every day is to have those words on the page. Now, if, if you open your Word document and spend half, half an hour or an hour looking backwards, you can become mired in that, in that you think, oh, it's not really good enough, oh, this needs to be tweaked or that needs to be changed. No, you need to open up that word and dive right in. Um, and also, I mean, I found, and I think it's it's a oh, fairly important tip, um, is the more you write, the faster you become. So, mm. I mean, it's, it's, it's like you've got a weak arm muscle and you pick up a weight. And if, if you do those, those bicep curls every day, over time, you'll end up with a really strong muscle. Mm. Whereas if you write every day, it's the exact same thing. You are, yes. you are trying to flex your, your creative muscle and you will get faster every day. Absolutely. Yeah, so true. So with the romance novels, um, are you, do you have a certain obligation to deliver X number of novels per year or or you do you have to pitch the idea and wait for them to 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 say yes we like that idea. Yes, well, yeah, well, yeah. How it works is yeah, I'll I'll think of an, an idea, um, and then it'll be pitched, and then if, if I'm offered a contract, it will be oh, the average is usually for two books. Uh, so I will know then when each of those books have to be handed in when they'll need to be edited and then when they'll be coming out in bookstores. So it's it's actually, uh, well, it's fairly clear as to yeah, how things mm. work. Uh, but, yes, I usually have to pitch them something first. What's important in a heroine in a romance novel these days, do you think? Uh, I, I think it's always about strength. So it's making her strong. So it's making her... Uh, sort of quite confident in her own skin, her own skin to be uh, outspoken to actually tell the hero uh, what what she wants or what she doesn't want. Mm -mm. What's the most challenging thing about writing romance? Do you think? I think after writing, uh, well, I've written maybe sixty five of them. Uh, I, think it's, I, I think it's really trying to keep things fresh. Yeah. Absolutely. So what do you do to keep things fresh? Uh, I make sure I actually try and think up uh, 
things I haven't done perhaps in the past in the books. Uh, so it'll be saying new scenes, uh, new exciting jobs, um, just, yeah, try to keep it fresh. And what's the most rewarding thing about writing romance? <laughs> Can I say the money? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, why not? That, Let's be honest. Or is that terrible? <laughs> It's not terrible. It's honest. <laughs> well, I, I think yeah. If you if if you sort of think back to the to the start, I said um, I mean like I, I had to earn it as much as I was um, mm. because I mean I yeah, I've, I've got a mortgage, mortgage. I've got to pay school fees. I have to pay bills. Um, so I do have to earn um, as if I was working full full time. Um, mm, mm, mm. But also that is that partially because that works because you release that many books you release way above normal yes. yeah. number of books compared yeah. to most authors yeah. <laughs> and and I mean it, look it's it's an absolute uh dream job of mine it's a passion yeah. now one of the things I asked you to have a think about which I'm really keen for your answer is what are your five essential tips on writing a successful romance novel so I've got my pen ready right, okay <laughs> I would say that number one is read widely in the genre it's mm. very important because I think heaps of people want, 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 want to write a book but but if you're aiming to have that book published or you're submitting to an agent um, or trying to get down that track, you sort of have to know uh, what what is actually in that type of book uh, mm. because it, it's it, it's really important because every genre has certain highlights. I suppose. That but do you mean um, in the wider genre of romance or in the subgenre you intend to write for, like yeah, rural romance? Yes, exactly. Yes, because, I mean, yeah, I mean, you know, I could say I'm going to write uh, a, a, a suspense novel. Mm. But if I don't know the actual, say, the hooks in those books or that, you know, that there are always uh, different red herrings, uh, I could totally miss miss the mark. So it's mm. really, really important that if you're, say, say for example, you'd like to write a, a historical romance, read in that genre because it's really yeah. important. Absolutely. Okay, good one. Yeah, so read in your genre and subgenre is number one. Yeah, number two is uh, understand tropes. Mm. Of, I, like I said, um, I mean, I tend to just write and then think, oh, I've included that that trope. Isn't that great? But it really helps your writing uh, if it's very clear from the start what is the main trope in your book. So well, just, for, of them. just for any listeners who aren't sure, can you describe what a trope is? Well, with a trope, it's actually an underlying theme of the book. So... Uh, you'll find it's what, I mean, I think it's sort of the glue almost that sort of holds that whole book because, I mean, and for example, you've got uh, friends to lovers, you've got second chance, you've got amnesia tropes, uh, you've got, uh, we're there to the sort of lot, so that's forced proximity. You've got lots and lots. I mean, there is, 
there's a list of about 40, I think, more. Uh, but yeah, if if you are trying to write in this genre, I think it's important to understand uh, what trope underpins your whole story. Brilliant. Okay, understand tropes. Fantastic. So number three? Number three is you need a happily ever after. That is absolutely, have to, it just has to happen. It has yes. to be in, in, in that book because um, I've heard there are books out there there that are marketed as a romance but someone dies at the end now that's that isn't a true romance Romance. that that can be classed as romantic fiction but a true romance has to have a happily ever after at the Mm. end yeah brilliant that's good distinction okay yep what else number four Number four is to know your characters. And usually in this genre, it's told from the two points of view, the hero and the heroine. And you need to know what is going to keep them apart and so what conflict they are going to have to overcome to get to that happily ever after at the end. Oh, brilliant. Yep. Okay. And number five? Number five is something that I tell all writers across all genres. And it's a very, very easy one. And it's write, you write, and you write some more. <laughs> because how, how you find your, your voice, which is your writing style, the only way uh, it, it isn't taught you need to write. You need to mm. sit down every day, every second day. If it's for five five minutes, five minutes. If it's for an hour, uh, but the more you write, the easier it is to find your voice. Brilliant, wonderful. And on that note, thank you so much for your time today. Summer of Serenity and the Scandal uh, and the Liar Next Door (laughs) and all of the others are out now. Thank you so much, Nicola. Thanks so much for having me, Valerie. There we go. I reckon Nicola has to be the most prolific author we've ever had on the podcast, don't you think, Al? I think so. The only person I can think Mm. of that would possibly be able to match that is probably someone like Nora Roberts and we haven't had her yet. So Mm. Mm. (laughs) I think it must be. Um, I think she's... It's just... Yeah, it's pretty extraordinary. Yeah, you just need a system. And as Nicholas says, she writes quite fast. So it's also getting into getting into that mindset of, um, you know, getting that first draft out there and getting it out there quickly. Yeah, I think that's part of it is, is... you know, that sort of um, moving forward with each project, moving forward, moving forward, mm. edit, moving forward, edit. Like I think if yes. if you get into that sort of um, that sort of mentality um, and mm. practice, like it's a habit, isn't it? It's just a habit and you, you just keep yep. you're working on something all the time. Yeah, go yeah. ahead. And I and if you use the microphone function on your iPhone, you can do it while you're walking <laughs> in your suburb. Yes. <laughs> Why would you not want to do that? Yes. All right. So, Al, uh, what are you doing in the coming week? Till we chat again. Uh, what am I doing? 
That's a very good question, Valerie. I would need to consult my paper diary here because um, I, of course, don't ha don't use the calendar, which is probably a good thing because I would have lost my whole life if I'd done that with with, with my various computer oh, problems. Yes. Um, well, yes. Uh, I use a paper diary. There's still the HSC. There's still gigs. Oh, I'm yes. planning to. I'm quite excited because I'm actually planning to go away for a weekend very soon. So, kind of gearing up for that. Oh, wow. I know I'm leaving my house. You mean with the whole family? No, I don't mean. I mean with a couple oh. of friends. I'm quite looking forward to that. What? I know. It's outrageous. Oh, my goodness. And then, um, <laughs> yeah, that's that's sort of what I'm doing. I'm just. Getting towards the end of the year is what I'm doing and looking forward to it. What about you? Yes. What are you doing? I'm having people over tomorrow, so I have to spend today cleaning and going to the supermarket. You've invited people to your <laughs> house. There is much. I know. Be all this right. is like, ah, uh, ah. Uh. So we, because we discovered that the barbecue was broken mm. um, and had to buy, we well, bought a new barbecue. Uh, which then arrived and was in 3,000 pieces right. and we had to put it together. Right. Yes. See, that's the trouble, and you know. Did, was it, did you... No sooner did we put it oh. together than we discovered we had to take it back to the shop. <laughs> what? Oh, fortunately, we only had to take the top of it, like because the, the top of it had a gigantic scratch oh. on it. Um, they were very good about it and they've, they've swapped it over. But You, oh, you know, had to put the whole thing you, together you get so and excited. then take it back. Fortunately, it was only the end bit, you know what I mean? So you didn't have to dismantle the whole thing. You just had to dismantle that section and take that section back to the shop. <laughs> and they gave me get, just gave back that section. <laughs> I know. Oh, my God, life's hard. So, so difficult. I don't know how we cope. <laughs> I don't know. First world problem. Oh, All right. Where do we find you online? So you'll find me at alisontait.com, A-L-L-I-S-O-N-T-A-I-T.com. Uh, you'll find me on Twitter at, at Altate, A-L-T-A-I-T. You will find me and my new series in my newly reformed Instagram account at <laughs> Alison Tate Writer mm. and on Facebook also at Alison Tate Writer. What about you, Valerie? Where do we find you? You'll find me at Valerie Koo, that's K-H-O-O, on Twitter and Instagram and over at ValerieKoo.com. Thanks for listening, everyone, and we look forward to chatting to you again next time. Bye. Thanks for listening to So You Want to Be a Writer. You'll find the show notes at writercentre.com.au slash podcast or sign up for our awesome and often hilarious weekly newsletter at writerscentre.com.au slash news where you'll find writing resources, giveaways, competitions and much more.